We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. First look for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Plus, a little bit later on, we'll be talking about the Barracuda Field as well. The alternate event going up against the WGC, which has now moved from Nevada into California, although it's like all on the same premises. New course for that this year as well. All the stats I'll be using today are from FantasyNational.com. Use FantasyNational.com slash Mayo or promo code Mayo. Get yourself 20% off. It's pretty easy stuff. There's a major... Coming up very, very soon. Not this week, the week after. So if you want to test the waters with Fantasy National and get yourself in, there's going to be tons, beaucoup prizes for the for the PGA Championship, more so than the regular millionaire maker that's been going along so far for these like random events. Now we have a major. People are going to be fired up to go play in that. Even with baseball back, even with everything else back, golf major, the first one of the year. I think it's the first time ever it's been the PGA Championship, or at least in a very, very long time where the PGA Championship has marked the first major of a year. Obviously, there's no Open Championship. We have the U.S. Open at the end of September, and then the Masters in November in 2020. Uh, if you're digging baseball and you want to get into it, I released a baseball show on Thursday evening. It's still in date. Uh, it's more of a walkthrough of places to bet on baseball, DraftKings strategy, DraftKings showdown strategy, different tools that you can use that are similar to Fantasy National, but for baseball and how to put those to good application. You can go check that out right now on all of the Pat Mayo Experience audio and video feeds. The thing you're probably looking for, the Listener's League link for WGC. I, I do not have the link as of yet. It turns out with all these different sports returning, the people who make the contest at DraftKings just haven't created the entire template for WGC as of yet. And knowing them, they'll probably like shoot me a Barracuda link or something like that, which might actually be even more fun 
because WGC is not the best in terms of playing on DraftKings. It's just, you know, no cut, 78 people. It's just not a whole lot of fun. But uh, maybe we should do Barracuda. Either way, uh, I'll probably have the link either by Saturday evening or Sunday afternoon at the latest. Once I get that, I will add it into the podcast description, the audio podcast description. And I'll make note in the video version as well in the description if you want to check that out and check back. But this could be like the first time in ages where you can use the link from the Monday show with Feinberg and actually get into the league. This is no time to scale back on entering the Pat Mayo Experience League, by the way. Only because... We have a chance to make it. They told me it was capped at $100,000 of guaranteed money for regular events. But for a major, if we can fill this WGC, maybe they'll allow us to get up to 10K people. I don't know. I don't know. I actually have no idea how that goes. But I can try to force their hand a little bit. Uh, And maybe we can have some more rake-free guaranteed money in the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League prize pool on DraftKings. Uh, and when we get to the Stableford system, just my, my quick note about that, because it's Stableford, modified Stableford scoring for the Barracuda, which is really wonky. Just make it the DraftKings open. DraftKings, listen, you can, I'd say you, you don't need to pay me, but I'd prefer you pay me. So pay me, and then pay to be the title sponsor of the DraftKings, not Barracuda, open and just instead of doing stupid modified Stableford scoring, do DraftKings scoring. It would be amazing. I make this pitch every single year. There is no more logical place to insert DraftKings scoring than where the Barracuda actually falls. It's even an alternate event. Like, it's a great place to test stuff out. Then we can get, like, the live cameras going. Just make it, like, a pure tech type of thing. It's already you know, over in that part of the country anyway where there's just a lot of tech around. Got to figure this out. Anyway. Let's get into the field for the St. Jude. Uh, This was formerly the St. Jude Classic, played in Memphis. It appeared a little bit earlier on the schedule. Best known for Daniel Berger winning back-to-back years. Last year, however, it took over from Firestone in the Bridgestone WGC and became the St. Jude WGC, got a new spot on the schedule, went from a full-field 156-player event into a WGC. Last year, I believe there were 64 players. This year, there are 78 players in the field. There is no cut for this event. And all the big names are going to be there. So everyone at the top of the world rankings, who you would assume to be there, is going to be playing. Last year was a win for Brooks Kepka. The chalk double actually came through last year. Uh, a lot of people had Brooks parlayed with Colin Morikawa to win the Barracuda, and they both came through. So we'll dig into the course here a little bit. Just know that if you keep looking back over and over throughout the years, that last year, 2019, was the first year it was no cut, and it had the super strong field. Normally, this was on the lesser side of field strength, and it was a full field. So when you see, like, hey, Phil plays really well at this. Well, yes, Phil did play really well at this when he was facing, like, median to below average type players up against the WGC field. A little bit different, just saying. So, 78 players in the field. The only ones we're not getting this week in Memphis. No Tiger. He's going to be at the PGA Championship. No Adam Scott, no Francesco Molinari, who we have not seen yet since golf has returned from hiatus. I assume they're playing in San Francisco in a week's time, but I don't know that for sure. I haven't seen any sort of confirmation. I would just, I think everyone is just assuming that's happening, but they're going to come in cold. They have not played since the restart. Justin Rose is taking a pass on this week. He will be at the PGA Championship. My guy, Papa Shugo Imihara. Uh, Papa Shugo not coming over from Japan, although he is qualified to play in the WGC, will not be playing in Memphis this week. Guys that we're seeing for the first time since the restart, this is where they're starting to resurface. Henrik Stenson, King Henrik, Hank, 
He's going to be in Memphis, the number 35 player in the world we'll see for the first time. Sean Norris from South Africa, the number 69 player in the world. Nice, for one thing. Nice that he's playing in a WGC in advance of playing in the PGA Championship. We're also getting Robert McIntyre, Bobby Mack, the Scottish Tim Andercust. He is 76th in the world rankings. Lucas Ebel. Not the Frenchman, the Australian or New Zealand. I think he's Australian. Maybe he's New Zealand. Either way, he's the 71st ranked player in the world. We're seeing him. Sebastian Soderberg is the 173rd play, ranked player in the world from Sweden. He is in the field. And then Lee Westwood is actually playing this week in Memphis as well, uh, the site of one of his like very few American wins when he beat Bobby Garrigus. And I want to say... Robert Carlson? I think he ended up beating Carlson in the playoff. Garrigus went to the 18th hole with like a three-stroke lead and just dumped a whole bunch in the water. He was sweating from his ass. I usually put it in my column every single year, but it's a must-go-see YouTube clip of the poor guy. It must have been like 120 degrees out. He's just drenched in sweat, and then he melts down on the 72nd hole so wasn't great news for him um but lee westwood played he actually hosted the british masters this week he made the cut at the british masters but shot a final round 79 and finished last of those who made the cut uh in 70th place but yeah we always kind of see this whenever people host a tournament that there's a lot of added pressure a lot of added responsibility and it had been the first time that lee westwood had played and the fact that he made the cut is probably pretty encouraging news i don't think anyone's expecting lee to come out and win this week at a wgc but it is a course where he's experienced some success and he's not coming in completely cold as opposed to these other guys that I've talked about. For the course itself, TPC Southwind, uh, the same as it used to be for the St. Jude Classic, 7,283 yards par 70, Bermuda grass, and there is 78 players in the field with no cut. Let's jump over to Fantasy National. Uh, you can see I actually have my custom model already in here, but let's go to the past course conditions, and let's take a look at the course breakdown, and we'll go into recent results just to give ourselves a little bit of a scan of what's been going on at this course uh, over the last little bit. So we can see you know, it was they were bent grass. They switched over to Bermuda last year. Medium firmness. They toughened it up, put it that way, just a little bit in terms of the, how the course played because it's going to be a WGC fast Bermuda greens. Average length rough. That's down from long in 2017. Uh, hitting fairways, difficult. Average too difficult. It had been difficult in the past, and I don't know if that is a product of widening the fairways. I looked into it. I couldn't find anything. Or because the field is so much better now that guys are longer and more accurate rather than just being kind of like scrub players in the field. Uh, there's just a lot that you can kind of glean out of that and you can kind of twist it any way that you want. Uh, it played a bit shorter last year, although the official scorecard now says it's 7,200 uh, and like 38 yards. And But on different days, it could play less than that. Uh, last year, it did. Uh, this year, at least, we haven't seen the scorecard yet, but the official report from the website is telling me that. But sometimes that's wrong. Uh, it seems like everyone's just having an off week here with the WGC and the Barracuda before the PGA Championship actually comes along. If we look at the breakdown of the stats, the most difficult holes on the course are these ones from 400 to 450 yards. Outside of number 12, uh, where you just see a lot of bogeys and a lot of doubles or worse, seven percent of the field made, makes double or worse at number 12. Don't put it in the water. How about that? Uh, but other than that, a 480, 497, 4. 81 and then you have the 456 so a bunch of these par fours that measure in between 450 and 500 yards are the toughest ones that you're going to see at tpc southwind there are five of them on the course and again this is a par 70 so there's only two par fives and only one of them is really gettable by eagle uh, as we can see here if we sort by par um 
birdie percent uh, on number 16, almost 50-50. And then there's a 3.2 eagle percentage on that, only 1.5%. And 34, um, 34.7 birdie rate on number hole number three. So the scoring is going to ha- – you're going to have to – almost make birdie or eagle on those every single time that you come around and then do well with these longer par fours uh, to really tread water. Because this is not a super easy course. When you kind of look at the layout, despite the fact that it's not very long, and Valspar kind of comes into this as well, when you actually look at the adjustment for par relative to the length of the course this one's actually on the longer side of the par 70s just like valspar is so the longer hitters by and large well you will see some of the you know shorter hitters pop up the good accuracy players i mean this course is all about irons just like every other course but for a par 70 it's a lot longer than maybe you would think so if we look at the top 10 finishers and how the strokes gained allocations have gone off the t.4 per round 1.6 on approach uh Strokes gained around the green less than off the tee, and then putting, you're going to need a hot putter. You always kind of need a hot putter to get going, but uh, less than approach right now, so approach will again be the target if we sort by top five finishers at this event. And this is still pulling data from the larger field events. Uh, you can see that it's even higher on approach, even higher on putting, and then you know off the tee and around the green becomes somewhat marginalized again. Essentially, you just want the longest, straightest hitter, and hopefully that the irons are clicking that week and the putter isn't a complete disaster. Ball striking over short game, uh, when you combine off the tee and approach over around the green and putting. Uh, fairly evenly distributed across the par threes, par fours, and par five although that is just with two power fives so that is worth noting the average shot distribution uh the plurality of the shots are going to come from 150 to 175 yards but as you can see not a lot of wedges uh in short game happening here you know these this wedge range uh is going to see a lot of shots on some of the shorter holes but you want to make sure the long irons are somewhat dialed in as well if you want scoring opportunities on the power five this is somewhat notable though uh the driving accuracy way below tour average, sixty-one percent tour average, and only fifty-four percent at TPC Southwind. Same as green and regulation percentage. So you can't have a disastrous short game. You need to be able to get it up and down, just because the GER rate is so low compared to the regular event. It's still around fifty-nine percent as opposed to the tour average of sixty-five percent. But still, that is a significant decrease. This course should play a little bit harder, scrambling a bit easier here. Three putts about you know equal. The average driving distance tends to be a little bit longer than your average course on tour, but by only about three yards. And the average GER proximity to a hole is actually closer to the hole than it is in terms of your average event. Uh, If we switch over to recent form, uh, we can see this does not include the 3M, by the way, which is just not going well for anyone. Uh, Most of the players who were in this field that played in the 3M didn't make the cut (laughs) at the 3M Open this week in Minneapolis. It's funny to look at, honestly, just because uh, if you didn't start your teams like Finau and Wolf, you're probably cooked because everyone went with like a plus 10K guy. And Finau, whether he wins or not, is going, you know, he was the one who made the cut, just like Wolf of the 9K. I, I guess you could have had Harris English in that mix, too. But anyone else was a complete fucking disaster. Less than 2% of 6 of 6s uh, across all contests on DraftKings. And it was around 10% 5 of 6. That's actually the worst I've ever seen for any tournament. So if you did very poorly, 
don't worry about it uh it turns out everyone did poorly year and if you have the winner or like two guys inside the top three in a four or six lineup like that's still gonna make money this week trust me on that one when you even look at the top of the giant gpp is that finishing placements if you have a six of six you should be locked into the money uh just because you're not seeing anyone like memorial where you know there's 80s on the board unless you're dustin johnson apparently but uh, a six of six should automatically be a cash but a good strong four of six lineup should still do pretty well too uh let's just take it back look back at last year underneath tournament history and just see what happened what happened in 2019 well brooks won we're going to open up that tab as well so we can look at the strokes gained and everything like that uh webb leishman fitzpatrick and tommy fleetwood and rory were the top five those last three guys tied for fourth uh a year ago you had rom polter horschel bubba Rafa Cabrera Bayo, who had actually played pretty well at this course over the years, too. I actually had an outright on Rafa in 2018 with that T. Uh, was it that T17? No. I think this is just they're counting this by tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the Bridgestone, when you look at the course history, the WGC, because it overtook Firestone, that is the course history that you're getting from here. So it's not even this actual course. I remember I backed Rafa at TPC Southwind one year, and he went into like the final with Phil, and I think everyone just melted down, and Daniel Berger ended up winning. Fun times! Fun times from old Rafa Cabrera Bayo. So when you look at the course history here, you only want to target 2019 because the rest is at Firestone, not this course. Uh, so keep that in mind when going forward. So if we just take a glance at the leaderboard from last year, let's just see where everyone ended up finishing before we look at the strokes gain. Minus 16 for Brooks, minus 13 for Webb, 12 for Leishman, 11, and John Rahm was the only other one to crack minus 10 when it came down to it. So not an easy course scoring sure and it's not like the field this year is going to be any better than it has been in years past because of covid because it's a wgc if anything might be even slightly worse with some of the top names not actually playing so how did brooks do it gain 3.7 off the t 3.2 for approach over nine strokes putting yeah that will do it for you brooks that will do it indeed uh lost 2.3 around the green that doesn't really matter all that much when you're getting close to 10 strokes putting web uh this is definitely a web course it's a par 70 it's on bermuda Boom. Webb Simpson. Dial him up. That's sort of his jam. Uh, And you can see some of the shorter hitters along, like, get spliced in with the longer hitters. But someone like uh, Fitzpatrick did most of his damage. Putting and approach. That's going to kind of do it for him. Ian Poulter was all putting. Lost five strokes off the tee. It was all short game. Gained a bunch around the greens. Gained a bunch on putting. That's going to be pretty hard to sustain year over year. Rory was able to do it with putting around the green and driving. The only guy inside the top 12 outside of Alex Noren, who's not in this event this year. He's actually in the Barracuda to lose strokes on approach. So you want to take the good iron players. But most of the players in this field are good iron players. Uh, To be perfectly honest with you, WGCs tend to be a very low exposure week for me simply because, you know, the no cut. uh, It's really hard to decipher the best players in the field. I'll be playing my three lineups in the Pat Mayo Experience Open, but I probably won't be firing 20 at the top. I wish there was bigger tournaments for the Barracuda because that one actually seems more appealing to me. But, uh, you know, nothing really going through it here uh, for me. I just don't like WGCs. Leave some money on the table so you don't dupe your lineup uh, with only 78 people and only so many different combinations. Uh, it's going to be tough. You're going to need there's so many wild swings day to day to day and since everyone is guaranteed four rounds you can be out of it. Like 
these are not the most fun DraftKings events to play, these no-cut events. So for me, in the model that I had, it was pretty quality last year, so I'm going to keep it rolling here. Strokes game, ball striking, approach, and off the tee, so combine them together, then look at them individually. That is the majority of everything that's going on. Greens and regulation gained at 10%. Strokes game, putting at 10%. Par fours overall at 15%. Par fours, 450 to 500 at 5 Then opportunities gained, driving distance, and fairways gained all at 5%. I mean, I could have set driving distance and fairways gained to zeros if I really wanted to. I just want to look at those just to see the guys that hit the ball the longest and the straightest, that tends to go through pretty easily. I know I had made mention of that a few weeks ago at Memorial, uh, and it pointed to John Rahm, and then I didn't beat John, didn't bet John Rahm, and then John Rahm ended up winning. So that's always a good time uh, when we think about everything. So it's really tough to figure out what everything is going to do is here. Let's set the parameters to last two months so we only include stats from before or since post-hiatus. Uh, you might want to run it again with like all rounds past 50, past 75 to get a look at some of these players that have no stats like Stenson or Herbert. And the Herbert stats aren't going to be great anyway. These guys have not been playing overseas, by the way. I went and checked them on the official World Golf Rankings. I'm sure they've been playing, but no official events if we just sort by the rankings vic xander thomas connors and bubba watson rake out rate out to be the top five since covid uh, and you're getting a pretty ample size of these rounds here then it is morikawa sergio answer bryson dechambeau and joaquin neiman that will be the inside the top 10 xander is always I mean, he's been rallying, making the cut on the number, and then being fire on the weekends. Uh, but at the WGCs is where he's had a lot of success in the past. Uh, these no-cut events, these smaller field events. You know, he's won Tournament of Champions. He's won a WGC. He's won the Tour Championship. All things would point to him. So I wonder how much he's going to end up coming in or what his price tag is going to be this week. We know that Daniel Berger, who I mentioned, has won at this course twice, has been playing really well since the restart. Uh, missed the cut, obviously, at Memorial. A lot of people missed the cut at Memorial. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Had a win in a top five in the two starts previous, and that was a par 70 course, again, where he does a lot of his damage overall. We can take a look at that in a second. Uh, we're not going to get a ton of info from post-COVID, but if we just take a look overall, maybe even past 50 rounds on par 70s, that's something we can kind of go into. Uh, who's been doing it by the putter recently? Matthew Fitzpatrick, Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah, Mackenzie Hughes makes every 100-foot putt, so that actually rates out pretty well. It's approach that we really want to hammer down on. Vic Neiman. Neiman can, I'm sure Neiman will find a way to put himself out of this tournament too. Justin Thomas, Corey Connors, Gary Woodland. Curious to see if Woodland can... He rebounded nicely after the very poor round at Workday, and that kind of carried through all the way to the weekend at Memorial. Then he kind of went away a little bit again. Uh, C.T. Pan, that's somewhat interesting that he's really been crushing his irons really well since uh, COVID has ended. I'd still be more interested in him likely at Wyndham when that comes up in a few weeks after the PGA Championship. Oh, and for the PGA Championship, uh, just so I don't forget this, if you're going to be using the leaderboard, usually you use like the PGA tour app or pga tour.com slash leaderboard those are the two easiest ways to find the leaderboard for the pga championship because it's the pga of america running the event pga.com will likely have the fastest leaderboard and i'm not sure if they're going to have an app or not they most likely will so i'd recommend downloading that and using that site in order to check on your scores every single time. So DraftKings scoring, if they don't patch into that feed, might actually be delayed a little bit if they're using the regular PGA Tour.com. It's one of those things 
that's just weird uh, and happens once a year. So no one really pays too much attention to it and always forgets it every single time that it comes around. It's like how the USGA has it for the U.S. Open, that their proprietary stats and leaderboards are just a little bit different than what the PGA is usually running. Uh, all the majors kind of have that. And the PGA Tour of America actually runs the Ryder Cup as well. Uh, driving distance in the field. Let's see if anyone matches up really well. John Rahm, big shocker. Xander, big shocker. Matthew Wolf continues to go up there, playing well at the three. I'm not making quite the run as we'd hope. Scotty Scheffler, another guy who hits it long and relatively straight uh, in terms of this field. Hovland. Oh, Sungjae. Hopefully that week off did him a world of good because he had not been playing well whatsoever. The other one, I guess, is Billy Ho, uh, who rakes, rates, rates sorry, inside the top 30 in both distance and fairways gained so far this season. Sergio rates out really well, though. Well, going to go down with that ship again. That's always going to be fun. Ugh, Sergio. Who plays well at the long par four so far? Bubba Hadwin, Finau, Bryson Streelman. The thing about Bubba is that he just plays so poorly on all of the other holes that that becomes somewhat problematic. I don't really have any early lean so far. Remember to smash the like button for this and give me your early lean in the comment section or even when you come back to find the Listener's League link if that has not been posted as of the time you are hearing this. Again, once I get that Listener's League link, I will throw it into the description. Uh, I'll even tweet it out to let you know that it's there. And remember, if you're just watching the video version, you go over to the podcast to get the link. Hit the play button for like one second and then you can kind of like fuck off with it if you don't want to listen to the audio version. That counts as a download and listen for me. So I would very much appreciate that. That helps support the show i think that people are in on supporting the show uh, who rates it very poorly obviously the guys who haven't played victor snediger snediger is a memphis guy he's a nashville guy but you know get him around this part of the world he should be pretty good although he has just not been playing well at all uh, matt wallace his stats continue to defy everything i do like him at the pga championship he continues to play hard courses really well so maybe you get another glimpse from matt wallace we can kind of take a dig into him a little bit you can just see the irons have not been there the putting has the driving has the around the green has if he can figure out these fucking irons i mean he's gonna be pretty good you just see that he can pop well he's won a bunch of times overseas i believe he won three times two years ago on the european tour maybe one was on the challenge tour two was on the european tour but you can see like api he shows up honda it's a tough course he shows up PGA Championship, 19th. PGA Championship, 3rd. U.S. Open, 12th. Open Championship makes the cut. Uh, when he played St. Jude last year, he was 27th, and it was all putting in a ground around the green work. And then he kind of lost his game. He switched clubs. But he's starting to get that back a little bit. I don't know what is going on with his irons. Like, I'll take the point seven if he's going to continue to do this stuff. But gaining you know, 11 strokes between chipping and putting probably isn't overly sustainable. But the putting has been there. It, the driving has been there. And we've seen him pop a few times. We can just get those irons going. Uh, he's a decent sleeper, even for the PGA Championship. Uh, although his, uh, you'd be better off with him being like being really shitty this week uh, and then getting better odds on at the PGA Championship. Just because when you look at the WGCs overall, uh, maybe we can find this here. If we just go WGC Wikipedia, uh, we can just go and take a look at the World Golf Championships. Overall, you'll just see some of the winners. Like, unless you look like Jeff Maggart, you know, Tigers won, what, 18? Is that what it is? 18 of these? So that's always fun. But like Patrick Reed has won two. Dustin Johnson has won six. Brooks, Rory, Xander, Justin, Bubba, Phil, Dustin, Dustin, Hideki, Rose. Like very like you'd have to go back to I guess Kisner won the match play. So I guess he would be like one of the 
shitty players and that's all relative to the top end winners that you see like and then you'd have to go back to 2015 Shane Lowry and Russell Knox are like two I mean Shane Lowry's won a major sense like he is a good player he's a better player than Russell Knox but those are like two outliers when you look at the very top end like it's always good players who tend to win these WGCs so pay attention to that going forward um like if you want to take some long shots those long shots are better served for top fives or top tens or potentially first round leader that's why i don't like these events all that much if i just stuck to my strategy from rocket mortgage for 3n where you know just bet a whole bunch of losers i'd be doing a lot better right now i'm not gonna lie to you but this is just the way that we're looking at it right now uh when i factor in putting it does push down the ben ann's of the world uh, just because i assume he's been just god yeah 66 since uh, covid has happened who's been the worst hideki lowry pan sergio the jazz man on bradley homa neiman van roy and all been the worst putters since in this field at least for the wgc since corona has happened that's all i really got for wgc we'll dig into it a little bit more as it goes along we'll see how the conclusion of the 3m open goes so now this is mislabeled in the fantasy national system and it's funny that no one has brought this up to my attention until i actually just noticed it before the show started so shows you how much interest there is in the barracuda this week it's not the barbasol the barbasol is canceled so if you click on course breakdown you're not actually going to find any relevant info because it's giving you barbasol info i have moose working on this right now to get everything up Updated, and I probably don't want to load in my custom stat model because it makes no sense uh, for this. It's actually a new course this year for the Barracuda. I'm formerly like the Reno Tahoe Open. There's 132 players in the field for the Barracuda. It's at Tahoe, Tahoe Mountain Club. That is the old Greenwood GC. It's moved from Reno to Truckee, California, which is on the Nevada and California border. Apparently, it's still very close. It's like in the Tahoe region. It's going to be played at 5,883 feet of elevation. So that hasn't really changed. This is always one where driving distance goes a long way. It's a Jack Nicholas-designed course. Uh, that is from 2000, and he designed it in 2004. And the top two finishers will get an automatic bid into the U.S. Open if they are not previously qualified. So a lot at stake, more so than usual, for the Barracuda. Um, and again, there's going to be a cut of top 65 in ties from the 132 players. Don't expect there to be a lot of you know, juicy DraftKings contest for the Barracuda, especially with the wonky Stableford scoring. So what you get for the scoring is five for an eagle, two for a birdie, zero for a par, minus one for a bogey and minus three for a double bogey. Colin Morikawa is the defending champion of this tournament, obviously not at this course, but just as Stableford goes, it makes a lot of sense that he would do well because the guy makes more eagles than anyone ends up doing. Uh, It's a stronger field than you'd expect. Brennan Steele, who's won twice uh, in this part of the country before at the Safeway, which is in Napa, actually rates out number one if we just look at you know the modeling that doesn't make any sense for this course. But you know, that's what we're going to try to go with anyway. I have strokes gain loaded in now. And let's go back to plus two months and take a look at that. We're going to see some players in this field who probably even haven't even played on tour since then. Yeah, Sam Saunders, John Rollins, the real deal, Sean McKeel getting himself ready as a former PGA Championship winner. He'll be in the field next week in San Francisco. Oh, hot fire, Dylon Meyer. This is definitely my type of field. Uh, strokes gain total since the restart. Seifert, Henley, Burns, Steele, Rogers, Will Gordon, MJ Defu. That guy who I thought was a creative player who played really well at Workday a few weeks ago. He was a Monday. He was a qualifier. Was it there? Or was it Travelers? I don't even fucking remember at this point. But he qualified, got in at the on the number, and made some noise as it went through. Scott Stallings, Seamus Power, 
who everyone was, you know, digging this week and missed the cut. Charlie Hoffman, Chris Stroud, Uline ended up making the cut at the 3M. So the 3M stats aren't loaded in this yet. We'll take a gander back at those at the very end of the show just to see. Bryce Garnett continues to play well. He's playing okay. Warinsky is very much the same way. Then you have guys like Stanley and Ryder. See, woo! Kim, Brennan Grace, uh, Ryan Moore, Cam Davis. Cam Davis makes a ton of eagles, as we've even seen this week at the 3M. Uh, so, again, those are worth five this week at the in Stableford, modi- modified Stableford scoring. Fuck, it's a very confusing week with a no cut, then a cut, and weird scoring. Lebiota, let's just look at eagle rate. Fuck it. <laughs> just see who is doing the best in that, just because... As you can as you can kind of see by the scoring that I put up, you know, two for a birdie, minus one for a bogey, it will actually kind of translate a little bit more like DraftKings scoring. Like if you made nine birdies and nine bogeys in the course of your day, you're still going to be plus nine. Whereas if you just made 18 pars, you would be zero. You'd be even. So trading birdie makers for trading birdies and eagles for bogeys and double bogeys is actually the way that you know, it would be optimal if you didn't make bogeys or did anything like that, but it's a way that you can kind of go through it. So in this field, since the restart, opportunities gained, which again are greens and regulation or fringe and regulation inside 15 feet. You have Henley Grio, who vaulted up the leaderboard at 3M on Saturday. Steel Stanley Burns, Michael Thompson, which, where was, which I had looked at this fucking before the 3M. Fuck. Uh, Michael Thompson um, is still making a ton as well in his 14 rounds since COVID has restarted, the COVID hiatus has restarted again this is, does not include the 3m either so i'd expect him to move up brem power malnati munoz is back in the field uh, von taylor cam percy hunter mahan ryan moore chess and hadley grace is up there too so they're generating a lot that is that doesn't necessarily mean they're converting as you can see grio can't putt so obviously he's 74th and birdies are better gained. uh malnati who's usually a pretty good putter isn't putting right now von taylor percy who we know can't putt bud collie has been struggling putting ben martin in his two rounds just couldn't make a putt at all uh, but overall, birdies are better again. Will Gordon, Hadley, Uline, Sam Burns, Johnny Vegas. Seaford is up there as well. I doubt that uh, his number is going to get any better once the 3M is included in this. Eagles gained since the restart. Arjun, uh, Uline, Cam Davis, Vince Watley, Tim Watley, the dentist. Ricky Barnes, Ben Taylor, the inventor of basketball, Matthew Naismith, Hank Lebiota, the hammer and Hank, the lefty coming out in elevation maybe you can make some more eagles who knows uh shank is up there on that list too so those would be more of the stuff that i'd be looking for as we don't have a ton of course info here the only thing i can really tell you about the course overall is that it plays i think i wrote this down wrong because i have 70 or 3300 i believe it's 7390 yards and it is a par 71 uh and other than that all i know is that it's a jack nicholas design so we can kind of take the only other thing that we can do we can set this to strokes gained we can go to all records probably don't need all records yeah well fuck it we'll just go all records and since I mentioned this is a Jack Nicholas designed course again from 2014, we do have a handy Jack Nicholas tab down at the bottom. Memorial, obviously, is a Jack Nicholas design. PJ National is a Jack Nicholas design. Glen Abbey would be a Jack Nicholas design. So if we just look at strokes gain total uh, on Jack Nicholas courses, Hoffman, Vegas, Steele, Henley, Haggy. I'm curious to see what Steele comes in. I guess he's going to be one of the favorites in this field. Uh, if you can get him at anything better than 30 to 1, that might be the move. Because, you know, Henley came in at like 35 to 1 this week. Um, 
but uh, he rates out really well to another winner winner let's see where Steele has actually done all of his damage at nicholas courses so you can see glen abbey mirfield for workday mirfield village for memorial nicholas tournament course that is at in pga west uh, so that is from the Pebble Beach Tournament. That is from the Career Builder Tournament. Now the American Express, PGA National, obviously from the Honda Classic and Valhalla, which hasn't been played in ages. So um, Memorial, Workday, Honda, Amex, Memorial. So this, these numbers are taken all the way back to 2014. So maybe even looking at the past 50 rounds isn't the best move. Let's look at past 24 rounds, see if that narrows down the sample a little bit. To give us at least, you know, this goes back to 2017. Again, not the greatest by any means. But as you can see, he made the cut of memorial made the cut at workday made the cut at honda american express the only play that before the cut you get the pete die course twice so i can't remember if he made the cut there or not i'm guessing he did uh, memorial made the cut missed it at the honda uh, one and three at the american express oh because that's 2000 that's 19 and 18 some of these weird rotation tournaments are kind of strange. Let's see. The American Express, Brennan Steele, came 43rd this year. And those strokes gained are only taken from the Pete Dye courses. So, again, that's tough info to kind of parse itself out. As you can see from the American Express, that you don't get a ton from it. So, Brennan Steele has played really well. I guess he'd be my early lean for that. Him, I mean, Siwoo Kim is playing. I'll probably end up betting him. Lord knows what his fucking odds are going to be this week. Maybe they're going to be the same. Who knows? Um, Kyle Stanley decent at nicholas courses so that's kind of like the barracuda first run overview as i said not many people are super interested uh, in how that's been going so far let's go back to saint jude for a second because i said i was going to search by par 70 and i just kind of want to see that to get it wrapped in my mind par 70 overall um from the wgc field last 50 rounds let's shorten that to past 24 rounds overall on par 70s to see who the best players are i'm guessing it's webb simpson uh it's rory then webb then sungjae Shifley, Casey, Poston. So that is pretty interesting to look at. Kevin Na, who you know, on his peak, it means he probably should withdraw this week uh, based on his current trends of playing well, withdrawing. No, yeah, playing well, withdrawing, playing poorly. I think that's it. No, that means he's going to play, play shitty and then withdraw this week mid-tournament. So that's always going to be fun. But he did play really well. He seems to be the type of player because he continues – feel like he was gaining strokes off the tee, which is something that had been a huge problem for him. And that every time that he does gain strokes off that he didn't at Memorial and still gained five on approach, gained a bunch on putting. But at Travelers and Charles Schwab, he had actually gained off the tee. And as you can see, historically, not a very good off the tee player. But if he's starting to turn it around off the tee, I mean, two, minus 2.5 is not encouraging. You can make it up in other ways. But at this kind of course, if you can keep the accuracy up, I wonder if he's been gaining in the accuracy department we know he's going to lose distance wise off the tee fairways gaining yeah he's when he was going through his really rough patch off the tee he was both losing driving distance and on fairways but now he's been hitting a ton of fairways and it, since they're difficult to do here if he can just keep himself in the short grass it could be a decent kevin Na week uh maybe not as an outright bet just like i had mentioned that you don't want to take too many like bottom of the pack players you want to take the elite of the elite as it pertains to wgc's but that is somewhat interesting uh, let's take a look at some of the guys that maybe played poorly this week, AKA everybody, and who is doing well at the 3M in terms of just strokes in. We go to the in-tournament stats uh, from everyone that has been loaded up. Uh, maybe take a look at Gander and a few people who missed the cut that maybe were not as bad in terms of strokes gained as we've seen. This one's going to be a bit iffy. I call this like the minor league 
Honda Classic just because there was so much water. But more balls went in the water here than they did at the Honda Classic. Obviously, scoring conditions are a lot easier. Uh, Finau, Thompson, Moore. Are these guys done yet? No, they're through 16 as I'm recording this. So, Warinsky and Finau. Warinsky's two back. Finau is three back. Oh, Charles. Go get this, Charles. Why not? That would really, like, if Charles can somehow win this, I'd actually, like, cash on DraftKings. Although I have him in no six of six lineups. That just having the winner might be good enough even for a fucking three of six. See if I have any Charles Homa team. Ryan, I have Homa, Moore, and Charles uh, on a lot of DraftKings teams. So hopefully that those guys can come through for me. Or if Byrne wants to shoot, like, 59 tomorrow, that would be pretty nice, too. Yeah, it just, I'm sure if I start by a strokes gain putting that Matthias Schwab is going to be near the very body at minus 4.6. The guy is absolutely fucking crushing it. Ball striking this week, 9.6 strokes gained ball striking. That is better than everyone except for Tony Finau in the field. The guy just cannot make a putt. I was tuning in because he was making sort of a bit of a run. I jumped on him at 250 due to a mispricing uh, on Saturday afternoon. He was making a bit of a run. And then he like, Missed a two-foot putt on a par five, and then he was 16 feet for birdie on a par five today and three-putted for bogey. It's just like, Jesus Christ, Matthias, get it fucking figured out. But he did not get it figured out, so he is not going to win. Um, just overall, let's go to the guys who missed the cut. That might be a, a decent way to go do that. The 999s, as we call them in the fantasy national system, you can see that Brooks played really well. Lost five strokes putting in two rounds. That's super encouraging. Um, I don't know what the market is going to be for Brooks, uh, only because people just love the name Brooks Kepka. You might get better odds on him at St. Jude than you do at the PGA Championship, uh, unless he really tanks next week at the WGC. But this is a really encouraging sign to see the ball striking and approach be this good for Brooks. I don't know if he can keep it up, but apparently the knee injury was not as bad as you know previously thought. Streb, I mean, we're not going to see Streb again for a while. Henley just could not make a putt as well. He lost 3.6 strokes putting, but gained in all three facets of tee to green. Uh, Bubba couldn't make a putt, 3.4. Paul Casey, not a big shocker. He lost six strokes putting. That's bad for, I mean, when was the last time Paul Casey lost six strokes putting that didn't go four rounds? Like, even for Paul Casey, that's a fucking disaster. So everyone is done with Paul Casey, as they have told me. Uh, let's see, the worst round. He's never lost more than five five 5.6 strokes in a tournament. That was also in two rounds at uh, Pebble Beach as well. That was earlier this year. And then it would be the Honda when he still came 11th and lost that. So the ball striking is still good for Paul Casey. We know he's a bad putter. Maybe get him on POA, and it's not so bad as we're going to see in two weeks. Uh, one sec, Casey take another look at Casey. Yeah. Lucas Glover is just straight up bad. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dustin withdrew, so his stats aren't going to be in here. I assume they're not great. Uh, let's see. Cam Davis. How you doing, Cam Davis? I was gaining strokes putting this week. Good for him. Good in the ball striking department, too. So maybe he is a look for Barracuda, depending on where he finishes when everything is said and done. Uh, so more guys in the ball striking department as we just kind of scroll down. Johnny Vegas. That's interesting for Barracuda. Uh, as someone who makes a ton of the Eagles, plays well on Nicholas courses, he just couldn't putt or chip to save his life. Ryan Armour, usually a good putter, uh, played really well on approach this week, couldn't make a putt. And other than that, you know, oh my God, Bo Hossler gained driving and lost putting. That's an abnormality. Everyone else just kind of said, oh my God. Sebastian Capelin, minus 16.9 strokes gained ball striking. That, that, that's got to be some sort of record. That's like in the realm of taking your skate off and trying to stab someone type record. Minus 11 strokes gained off the tee in two rounds. Jesus. Not great, Seb. 
We need to go back to Denmark and figure this shit out for a while. Oh, Aaron, I love how Aaron Badley, Aaron Badley actually made the cut this week. That kind of blows my mind. Uh, Burns couldn't get it going at all. Chris Baker, the creative player, gained almost, gaining almost five strokes on approach this week, not doing anything else well. Who else is up there? Duff Daddy gaining a bunch on approach. Schwab. Austin Cook. Huh. Didn't realize Austin Cook was gaining so much on approach. Maybe he's a Sunday showdown play. Lebiota, another one gaining a bunch on approach. Losing driving. I always felt like he was a good driver of the ball and bad on approach. And since COVID, that's, he's been good driving the ball and you know decent ball striking. Not a great driver. And a good driver historically. Like, not like good good, but not like bad like he's been everywhere else. So that's encouraging to see his irons come back just a little bit. Cam Davis, and then the guys at the top. Moore, and then Watney. Moore could be kind of interesting in the high elevation um, at Barracuda next week as well. Someone I have an eye on for the PGA Championship, too, just coming into the week. I mean, he's still not making any putts. He's only minus one, though. He was someone who was rating out pretty well in the ball striking department uh, from Travelers and Memorial. Wasn't making any putts, couldn't chip a lot, but that's somewhat encouraging to see that he's kind of vaulting up the leaderboard a little bit, not being a disaster on the greens as it goes to Ryan Moore. So that is going to do it for the first look for the WGC and the Barracuda. Remember to smash the like button for the video and give me your early leans in the comment section. Rate and review the Pat Mayo experience. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you go find the listener's link, I don't have it right now. So by the time the show comes out, it's probably not going to be up, but I should have it again, either Saturday, late evening, or sometime on Sunday. Once they create these contests, I will go back, I will edit everything, and I'll put out a tweet to say, hey, the listener's link is now available in the description of the podcast and video where you can find it every single week. Become a member at fantasynational.com as well. Fantasynational.com slash mayo gets you 20% off. Or if you really want to save yourself a bunch, I mean, use the discount and you get a weekly pass. I think it's $10 for a weekly, so the 20% off makes it 8 bucks. If you do it on Wednesday, it's 7 days, so you would get it for these two tournaments and the PGA Championship. Don't tell Moose. I brought that up, by the way, but if you want to double dip for both tournaments with a major coming up and you just want to dip your toes into the water, I suggest waiting till Wednesday to get full access to the site and you'll get it for all three of those tournaments. Great savings plus the 20% off. Makes a lot of sense to me. Anyway, thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I hope that some of you got six of six through the cut at the 3M. I saw some screenshots of viewers who did that, so good luck. Someone go win the big money. Let me know. It would be awesome to see that happen for someone out there this week. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. WGC FedEx St. Jude. There's way too much on the back of this tournament. It's a WGC tournament in Memphis. That's called the WGC St. Jude. How about that? That, Although now they're going to get mad at me that I didn't say FedEx. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.